Hi folks and uh, welcome back. Uh, last time we had, uh, I had Adrian um, in the studio and uh, I was asking him some questions about intentionality. I've got him back and, um, and we spoke about what, is in, what it is to be intentional and why it is important to be intentional. And, uh, and I could have spent another episode talking about that, that and I'm sure you would have appreciated it uh, as I would have. Uh, but um, I kind of want to shift the focus a little bit and ask him um, some questions of other things that we see in their life of uh, his family. Um, and it relates around why would we be intentional? What's the outcome of our intention? How are we orientated? Are we, is our intention to um, be curved in on ourselves or is our intention for other people? And, and uh, I often say to my wife, uh, for those of people who, who know me, um, you know, it's difficult for me not to talk. So I got a microphone, plugged in my laptop and did a podcast. But when I go places, I, I often hop in the car afterwards and I say, too much, wasn't it, honey? I, I think I could probably say less. You know, Like I said at the end of the last podcast, you say it best when you say nothing at all. So um, I go into situations you know, more than five or six times out of ten and say, okay, honey, I've got to concentrate. But concentrate on, on the other person. Concentrate on the other person. Ask the other person questions. Listen to what, really listen to what they're saying. And so, you know, by God's grace alone, he's shifting my attention to myself with the intention for other people, if you like. And, um, and, and it wouldn't happen by accident because you leave it to chance. Well, what do they say? You know, if you aim for nothing, you'll hit it every time. Or, you know, if you're going nowhere, every road leads to it. And in a similar sense, if you just rock up into a conversation, the natural processes of the sin that is in us it always has the uh, has everything curving back to ourselves. And so, um, this has reminded well, I've been reminded when I look at Adrian and Robin and and their children's life, their family's life, that uh, they have a word which I haven't heard anyone else use, and it's called well, it's 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 this otherishness. I don't know whether it'll catch on or not as a uh, as a word that um, flows nicely, but. Uh, Adrian, well, how did, how did that whole thing come to be? You know, obviously there was some intention behind yourself and Robin wanting to highlight in the children in your children's lives that uh, it's not all about them. Despite most children, in fact, all children having that bent, uh, what what happened there? Is there, yeah, is there a story a good to question. it? Question. I probably haven't thought about how we ended up as a family coining this term, but um, it's great, Craig, as you're talking about intentionality. Where we sort of last time we talked about being intentional is making a decision to invest in those things that matter so that we can hit those goals, so we can really yeah, yeah, hit yeah. that mark. Yep. Um, so, and that's a lot to do with our priorities. So I guess when our kids were young, we felt that, you know, we started seeing the natural selfish human nature come through in, in, in our very young kids and we didn't want to keep saying, don't be selfish. So we started saying, think of others. And then we sort of just, that evolved into this term of otherishness. So we became a, a family that believes in otherishness. And in our devotion times, as we hung out as a family, we would unpack what otherishness could have looked like in that situation. Yeah, yeah. And as we're praying into tomorrow and the guests that we're expecting, whatever's going on, what could otherishness look like in that situation? And I, I think, you know, in the same way that within our parenting we try and focus on the positives and encourage and build up rather than focus on the negatives and um, and hit them down. So, yeah, that's probably where that's come from. But it's been something that um, has been, I think, really good for our kids and it would be interesting to have a conversation with each of them and to see what they feel otherishness is. Oh, you know, I think if we were to have a conversation every time 
there's an opportunity to think about other people and not themselves. Um, our lives would be dominated by that in our family. But um, one of the um, one of the things that I've realised in reading scripture recently is, you know, we have all kinds of things that we we draw from what is revealed about God in the Word. But but to be honest, by far and away, it, it comes down to this life being crucified with Christ. Yeah. We've been raised a new being. Uh, we're seated in Christ at the right hand of the Father in the place of honour. And, and, and we have been sent into the world. I think it's John 20, 21. We've been sent into the world as the Father sent Jesus. Um, Jesus went through the garden to the cross, went through the cross. And uh, there's, there's nothing um, selfish, sinful, curved in on um, itself when you think about the nature of the cross, let alone the many other things that Christ gave us the example of. And then when you see Paul and, and hear what Paul writes about and, and the instructions he gives us, I think, what is it, Colossians... I don't know, Galatians 6.14, where he says something like, As for me, I will not boast about anything except for the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, for I have my interest in this world has uh, been crucified and the world's interest in me has died. And so the, the, the world, when I think um, back to Wolfgang Simpson, I think said, you know, um, what makes the world go round? Money. We all get that. He says, what's the chief operating principle of money? Competition. So there's a certain amount of market share and I compete against you to get some of that market share so I can get the resources in my corner. Then he said, well, what makes the kingdom of God go round? It's, it's love. The chief operating principle of love is self-sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, people that have interpreted the word, what the word says, what, what it says about who God is and what the nature is of those people who are now in Christ is otherishness. Exactly it's, it's, right. Yeah. It, it's, it's like that's the new, that's a transformed... Um, child of God is one that is curved out, if that's a way of saying it. It's, it's Martin Luther that says, you know, sin is being curved in on itself. And I got Ethan the other day and I said, yeah, Ethan, we were talking about this. I said, Ethan, look at your navel. I had to then explain what the navel was. Look at your belly button. That's being curved in on yourself. We're always look, we're always navel gazing. We're looking down as to what benefits me the most. A truly transform life, and this is deeply challenging to me as I say it, is... To think of others in conversation, in in how we choose to spend our resources, um, and so you know, I guess, how does that bear out in your life? What challenges do you and Rob have within that personally? Um, I haven't given much time to think about. No, that, that's but. good, Craig. Yeah, and it is. It's it's not about thinking less of myself. It's about thinking of myself less, isn't it? So you that write there it. is that is brilliant. I've written that down. <laughs> but uh, yeah, say, it, say say that again because I think that's, that is very good. Well, it's, humility. Yeah. So it's not about thinking less of myself or pushing myself down. You know, it's I, it's simply about thinking of myself less. Yeah, yeah. When I think of myself less, there is now room for me to actually think of others yeah. and to start to learn. And it is habits as well that you practice them and they grow stronger. Yeah, it's yeah, muscle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to, to learn to actually put others ahead of myself. And if I could only approach you know all, all these different aspects of my life with that philosophy, I'd I would have an impact on people that would be a positive one because they would sense the love of Christ in me because, as, you, as you're saying, that is humility, yeah. that is true love. It occurs to me, Craig, that this, this concept of human nature being absolutely selfish, um, that, 
you know, you know, non-believers get this. Yeah. They so get this. And I know in the last few years we've had all sorts of opportunities we probably didn't have in our previous paradigm where we're hanging out with non-believers and we're talking about the purpose for life and, and, and what things matter and what things don't. Yeah. And they may not know God by name, but so many of them, they absolutely get that life is not about me. You know, and the older the people you're talking to, the, the, the better they get this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Surely life is about doing something for others. Surely it's about giving to those who have less than us. All of these things make sense to them because they understand that, you know, we are absolutely selfish by nature and that our purpose in life needs to be not about ourselves, one with the most toys when they die wins, yeah, yeah. actually about others and, and how, do, how can I invest in others? How can I love others? It's almost like, you know, if you think of it in geography terms, you know, living for yourself, living curved in on your for your own needs um, is like going into a cul-de-sac or coming back out there because that didn't work, going into another cul-de-sac, going back out there and that didn't work. Um, and you eventually realise none of those roads lead anywhere. Sure, yeah. Um, in fact, it reminds me of a... Um, I remember listening to Richard Feidler and, and uh, he had a guy who was an army general and at the age of 35, he just realized he'd spent his first 35 years of life um, living for himself. He says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend the next 35 years living for other people because, um, you know, true peace and fulfillment. And these were his, his words as someone that wasn't a confessing believer. He may well have been, uh, but he was doing some pretty amazing and radical uh, and self-sacrificing things in regard to charities and organizations that were benefiting other people. Um and it's it's deeply challenging because, like you say, these are people who don't yet know Jesus, but they for get themselves. Yeah. But, they, but they get that there's there's joy and there's life in that. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna read something that's here while you talk. What were you gonna say? I was just gonna say yeah. The um, maybe that's where we've sort of um, as a team of families ended <clears> up where we have because we've seen in ourselves the value of recognizing this this otherishness that the value of you know if I could only be less selfish I I would be in a better place to reflect the love of Christ yeah and so we want our kids to take off from where we leave off if yes. you like yes we yeah. we don't want them to have to wait for all of these years to finally get that the fundamental principle of of living living an otherish life to reflect the love of Christ. There's a there's a lot of things that play into this, Adrian. You know, I, I've I need to be content in who I am in Christ. That all the issues of life really need to be settled in my relationship with Jesus. It's not that we you know have got everything worked out and it's perfectly patched, but I, I can't think about other people when I'm concerned about my own insecurities mm -hmm. and fears and, and difficulties. So, which leads us back to security and identity, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look, I was just going to, in fact, I've sent this to our local churches as an image. I'm actually going to read it um, because in here, inherently, I think it speaks to some of the things we're saying. Um, and it comes from a book called Community and Growth by Jean Vanier, which I think is, you know, exactly the way that his name would be pronounced in mm. French, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not Jean Vanier. Um, he says this, um, I'm more and more struck by people in community who are dissatisfied. When they live in small communities, they want to be in larger ones where there is more nourishment, where there are more community activities or where the liturgy is more beautifully prepared. And when they are in larger communities, they dream of ideal small ones. Those who have a lot to do dream of having plenty of time for prayer. Those who have a lot of time for themselves seem to get bored and search distractedly for some sort of activity which will give a sense of purpose to their lives. 
And, we, and don't we all dream of the perfect community where we will be at peace and in complete harmony with a perfect balance between the outward and the inward, where everything will be joyful? It is difficult to get people to understand that the ideal doesn't exist, that personal equilibrium and harmony they dream of come only after years and years of struggle, and even then, only as flashes of grace and peace. If we are always looking for our own equilibrium, I'd even say if we are looking too much for our own peace, we will never find it. So talking about the curved in th thing, you know, for myself. Because peace is the fruit of love and service to others. I'd like to tell the many people in communities who are looking for this impossible ideal, stop looking for peace. Give yourselves where you are. Stop looking at yourselves. Look instead at your brothers and sisters in need. Be close to those God has given you in community today and work with the situation as it is. Ask how you can better love your brothers and sisters. Then you will find peace. You will find rest and that famous balance you've been looking for between the outward and the inward, between prayer and activity, between time for yourself and time for others. Everything will resolve itself through love. Stop wasting time running around after the perfect community. Live your life fully in your community today. Gee, there's some good stuff in there. Um, like normal, uh, more seems to come up, more more um, question marks come up than um, exclamation marks, which is the famous saying of Adrian, and uh, thank you for that, Adrian. Um, but uh, in, in reality, um, there is more than we can address in a 15-minute podcast, and I trust that this idea that we are, we are born in Christ to then be sent as he was sent into the world. So, so missionally speaking, we're, we're being sent by the Father as Christ has been sent into the world, and Christ gives us the perfect example of, of giving, of loving, of self-sacrifice, and doing these things with joy. In fact, uh, like we just read, um, true peace and true joy is not found when we live for ourselves, but when we live and give our lives for others. And I think as Tony Fitzgerald says, you know, for God to love the world, that he gave it you. Thanks again, Adrian, for joining us. I appreciate you uh, responding to my interrogations. And, Thank you, uh, Craig. All the best.